welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than Sharon Reed, host, commentator, and TYT Sports All Star contributor. Always fascinating to have her insight. Top story of the day Hunter Biden will plead guilty for a few crimes. I will get it to them, likely avoiding, however, any jail time. Contrary to his father's, well, let's say, sentiment. There's a lot here. All right, let's put up the picture full mass. Hunter Biden, who, by the way, holds up no political position, has zero government power, is pleading guilty to something that Donald Trump admitted to doing, evading taxes. Hunter Biden. The son of President Joe Biden has agreed to plead guilty to two federal charges, two tax misdemeanors, and will enter a diversion program related to an additional gun charge. President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, has reached a tentative agreement with federal prosecutors to plead guilty to these minor tax crimes and admit to the facts of a gun charge under terms that would likely keep him out of jail. That's according to court papers filed on Tuesday. Now, the fascination connected to Hunter Biden from the right has to do with his crack addiction. Here it is. No, I just made out the bag. It's 2.06. 2. 2.07 without the bag. But how long is how 2.0. Hunter Biden smokes crack. I hope he's getting the help he needs. Honestly, had absolutely nothing to do with me nor the public. But there is an interesting dynamic here. Many on the right said, well, Hunter Biden, he's going to get away with being held accountable because of his father. No, 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 that's what Trump would do, okay? He's being investigated and charged. And maybe there are more charges in his future, who knows? The current president of the United States is also under investigation. Biden, President Biden is under investigation for mishandling classified documents as well. The difference, you don't hear stories about President Biden trying to influence the outcome of the investigation, not with himself, nor with his son. But it is interesting to note, that it was President Biden, back then Senator Biden, who said, if a person is caught with crack, here's what should happen. Here it is. If you have a piece of crack cocaine, no bigger than this quarter that I'm holding in my hand, one quarter of one dollar, we passed a law through the leadership of Senator Thurman and myself and others. A law that says if you're caught with that, you go to jail for five years. Now, the most dangerous element here is the policy dynamic of what Biden said, not the fact that Hunter Biden smoked crack at a point in his life. The sentiment held today by Biden, at least publicly, is contrary to the sentiment. He held back then, at least that's what he will say. 
But I will tell you a major crime that was committed during a former president's tenure. Here it is. Last weekend, we got new details on how Jared Kushner and the ex-president benefited from Saudi money since leaving the White House. Kushner, who had cozy relations with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and led the push for his father-in-law to prioritize a relationship with the Saudis, including making it the first foreign trip, received $2 billion from a fund chaired by the Crown Prince known as MBS. Nice work if you can get it. The ex-president also benefited from Saudi-backed tournaments at his golf course and a Saudi real estate company's agreement to build a Trump hotel in Oman. It sounds like a perfect opportunity for the House Oversight Committee to investigate whether a former president, a senior White House advisor, peddled government access to enrich themselves, something that committee chairman James Comer was asked about Sunday. The $2 billion investment in Kushner's funds from the Saudis. We know the president, uh, former President Trump's, uh, has also received funds related to the Saudi golf tour. Senator Ron Wyden says these financial entanglements deserve investigation. Will you be investigating that as well? I think everything's on the table. Look, we're investigating Joe Biden. <laughs> I had that same laugh at the end of that. <laughs> You see, here's the thing. Policy actually permeates to the culture at large. The fact that Hunter Biden had an addiction, well, that's a mental health disorder. He needs help. It is ironic, however, that when crack was particularly an issue in the black community, the sentiment was, you're a criminal. Once opioids started to invite themselves to white communities, all of a sudden we have patients, they need medical help. We contextualize it as a mental health dynamic. The reality is it all should have been a mental health dynamic. There never should have been a polarized conversation. It should have been a nuanced conversation about getting people the treatment, the help they need. So here we are, former president of the United States has admitted to tax evasion on multiple occasions, bragged about it, said he was a smart man for doing so, refused to release any of his tax information voluntarily, something that every modern president has done in this nation. While you have one issue of a son of a current president pleading guilty to a misdemeanor, you have a former president himself who has admitted to felonies as it relates to tax evasion. And there's no charge there. All right, so the saga, Sharon, is probably over as it relates to Hunter Biden and his legal troubles. But once again, I submit, Hunter Biden was never in charge of any of my money as a taxpayer and no government operation. Contrary to Kushner, who was a senior advisor, and Trump who was president of the United States. What say you? Well, I say, what did we really learn here, Doc? And as usual, you are spot on. Hunter Biden probably wouldn't even have gotten caught for these things had he not been under extreme scrutiny yeah. uh, with these lies and bribery being thrown around and that and the like. Um, I I also learned he's a bit of a G, okay, <laughs> Hunter. Hunter's a bit of a G, he's got, they had their hands full with him. But you're right, it's the difference between accountability and empathy, that's the one thing that did come out of this. And hopefully you live, you learn. And now President Biden has a different outlook on people who just, who just need help.
right. no matter what color they are. That's right. Very well said. Do you remember the young black woman who was arrested naked in her home unlawfully? Put up the screenshot, full mask. We have an update to this story. Anjanette Young, she was seen helpless and naked on police body cam footage, has been given some justice as Sergeant Alex Walensky, the leader of that raid back in 2019 where Chicago cops mistakenly barged her to her home, handcuffing her, detaining her as she remained nude for 10 minutes straight. Well, that sergeant has finally been fired four years later in a 5-2-3 vote. There's more. In the 31-page ruling, the Chicago Police Board voted that Sergeant Walensky violated multiple departmental rules, including disrespect to or maltreatment of any person, as well as failure of leadership. Though it was clear that the officers were not at the right residence of the intended target, read the ruling. The sergeant nonetheless allowed Ms. Young to remain naked and handcuffed for an extended period of time, over 10 minutes. Now let me say this, I remember when the video first went viral. And I remember seeing the attitude of the officers as it was clear she was not the target of their investigation. She was emotional, she was passionate about her innocence and also about their actions, their behavior. What you will see in that video is the officers refusing to simply immediately do the right thing because they are offended by the way she is talking to them, her tone perhaps. But she was naked in her home, about to go to sleep, handcuffed in front of men. Of course, she had passion in her voice. There's another irony here, we'll get to it in a moment. The officers had obtained a search warrant for Young's apartment based on a tip from an informant, but failed to confirm the address and failed to confirm that it was connected to their actual case. The suspect of the CPD. The suspect they were looking for wore an electronic tracking device and was on house arrest. The 23-year-old man lived next door to Ms. Young, but they were not connected at all. Through the ordeal, Ms. Young pleads with the officers. She says, and I quote, this is not right. I don't even know what you're doing. Ms. Young told the officers, They were in the wrong home, 43 times, she repeats it. A blanket was finally put over Ms. Young to cover her. However, because she was in handcuffs, the blanket continued to fall off. Additionally, the sergeant did not provide Ms. Young with the warrant. When she requested it, he should have provided. That could have helped calm her down, according to the ruling. The Civilian Office of Police Accountability also called for Sergeant Walensky's firing and for suspensions for several other officers present during the raid. Although to date, no other officers have faced police board charges for that unlawful raid. The elephant in the room must be addressed. This happened four years ago. 
This happened four years ago. When someone is in a position of extreme trust, like being a cop, and literally they have a license to kill. Why would you keep someone in that position who is under investigation for utilizing that authority in either A, an unlawful way, or B, an extreme negligent way that created adverse consequence to a citizen of that local community? Four years, he had the opportunity to do this over and over again. At what point does an officer become a liability, not only to the community, but also to, to the police department at large? This individual was still getting paid, still on the force, the people who were there acting in concert with this sergeant. No issues at all, not even an investigation, nothing. This is why there's an us and them philosophy as it relates to cop and community. We don't understand these things because every job that we've worked at, I'm talking about everyday people who are not police officers. Every job we've worked at, if there's something this egregious, you don't get four additional years to do it again. Either the investigation and conclusion is swift or you are not allowed to keep getting a paycheck from the entity while the investigation carries for four years. These are industry standards that should be checked. Um, we are continuing to uh, pray for Ms. Young for her continued success in her career. Sharon, thoughts here. They wrote the manual on how to disgrace and degrade a black woman. She's all over the internet, yep. naked. She did absolutely nothing wrong. And the dissenting members of the board who argued that the scene was chaotic, Doc, and so, you know, who made it chaotic? As you take four years to give everyone due process except for the seconds That's that right. ticked by when Miss Young was naked in front of you. And you were too arrogant to admit and too dumb to check out an address. Admit you did the wrong thing. That's disgusting. It. So well said, and you're right. These individuals took away her due process of anything while at the same time receiving due process at a level that we can't even comprehend. College student found left dead on the side of the road, put up a picture full mass. Very sad story. Maya Kanu, a Tennessee State University student was found dead laying on a Michigan road days after returning home from a summer break. Surveillance video reportedly showed the college student either falling or perhaps being pushed out of a vehicle onto the street. Police are treating her death as a homicide. Officers from the Southfield Police Department discovered the unresponsive body of the 23-year-old in front of the Coach House Apartments on Providence Drive. This was on June 3rd at about 4.32 a.m. That's according to the Detroit Free Press. She was immediately transported to Ascension Providence Hospital but she was placed on life support for two days. Her mother says doctors pronounced her dead two days later, but kept her on life support for three additional days because her organs were to be donated to someone in need. There was no brain activity. Her liver went to a baby, her kidneys went to a recipient, and her tissues and muscles were donated to the gift of life, said Bianca Van Meter, her mother. 
adding that she looked like a beautiful angel lying in bed during those last days. Let's get into the investigation. Detectives are attempting to piece together what actually happened in the last hours of her life, hoping to find clues to her premature demise. According to her mother, she saw her daughter on the morning of June 2nd, right before she left home for work. It would be the last time she saw her daughter alive. The young college student, Canoe, was later picked up from her job at the Green Lantern restaurant by a female friend who had been staying with them and taken to the party. The car that the friend used to pick up this college student from the eatery was identified as the same vehicle involved in the incident, according to the mother. The mother said she was with her friends. And from my understanding, she was thrown out or fell out of a vehicle. She was found on the side of the road and she was left there, said the mother. I wanna know what really happened. And if they were with friends, why wouldn't they call 911? Authorities on the case say there is little known about why the young woman ended up in the street when she was supposed to be at the gathering. WXYZ states that they were told she was ejected from a car and a passerby called 911. Was it an accident? Was she pushed? And those are the questions that we're trying to have answered at this point in time. Can't go into the entire autopsy results, but she did have significant head trauma, said the Southfield Police Department Deputy Chief Jeffrey Jagowski. It's our understanding that there was an argument between the driver and another individual in the parking lot of the apartment complex that they had left. Officer told Fox 2. Sergeant Jarrett Womble, a spokesperson for the Southfield Department, says the driver has been cooperating with them to help figure out the details of the final moments before she was found in the roadway. Anytime there is an unnatural death, especially concerning a young person, it is treated as a homicide, according to the spokesperson. Let's put it to GoFundMe. This family has been rocked to their core. Good family who even during the demise of their daughter, wanted to make sure that what her body still maintained could be used to help somebody else. That's a hell of a decision to make when your daughter was in college and now she is brain dead. There's a GoFundMe, it has been set up by the the mother to help with funeral expenses. She's hoping to raise about $50,000 for the funeral and memorial service. She's received a little more than $34,000. In 10 days, we can go to make that $50,000 right now. I encourage you to do the very best you can. I cannot imagine what this family is going through. I'm highlighting this story because I don't want the police to kick it down the road. I want there to be an exhaustive, thorough investigation into what happened to this young college student. And if there is malfeasance, justice needs to apply, period. Sharing thoughts here. I'm heartbroken, it's a mother's worst nightmare. And I guess trust your body, trust your gut. If she was with friends, I can't imagine how this happens and nobody knows a thing. And a stranger has to come and render some kind of aid or assistance. It's just sick to me that this is what it's come to. Don't know what happened, don't know what happened here. But someone does, Doc. Yep. 
And you have to imagine, even if she fell out of the car, as the mother offered as a possible uh, reason that this went down, even if she fell out of the vehicle, there was horse playing, whatever. Say something. Say something. Your friend is going to stop and do something, (laughs) period. Right? Okay. All right, we'll bring you the update as it comes. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. There's at least one con artist, maybe more, utilizing the name of indisputable and utilizing my personal name. Uh, This is a coward, okay? I have called this individual out. Um, The things that I said to this person uh, online, I cannot repeat on the show. But I wanna make sure you are aware of what's happening. So several audience members have reached out to share information about this imposter, okay? Um, And this is first seen on YouTube uh, comments, all right? Acting as if the person is me or connected to the show, and they are not. And then if you go down the rabbit hole, there's a WhatsApp um, that will say, hey, you won something. Once again, this is not from us, this is not from me. Let me set the record straight. Because this impersonation has to stop. Indisputable is a verified YouTube channel. You would know that it's a real channel communicating with you if you see the check mark next to our channel name on YouTube. If you do not see that, it is not us. Number two, we're not running a giveaway promotion via WhatsApp or Telegram. Please do not give anyone your personal information on WhatsApp or Telegram to claim a prize because it did not come from us. Number three, We're told that people who are the grand prize winner need to pay a claim, pay money to claim the prize. This is not a promotion administered by indisputable, that is an imposter. And if anyone says that you need to pay money to claim your prize, they are likely an imposter too. All right, so we're responding on our end to protect every single one of you. In the meantime, please email us at support at tyt.com. If you come across any imposters, any messages that seem suspicious. Again, the indisputable channel, the YouTube channel is verified. All right, so please look for that check mark. All right, welcome back. A lot of show left, a lot of comments as well. Let me read as many as I can. We're running pretty good on time today. That may change in just a moment. All right, I appreciate everyone in advance for always joining the conversation. Thank you for the continued engagement. Okay, who do we got? Real interesting. Mickey C, Silver Hair Dragon. Those conditions set by Biden then, it was a five year term for the first offense. The only difference was if it was five milligrams of crack or 500 milligrams of pot of cocaine. Just think about who used which then, there you go. Once again, that's called systemic bias, right? V, Dr. Richie asked, do you remember the black woman who was arrested naked in her home? Answer, which one? Unfortunately, I remember more than one such scenario. Isn't that bad, horrible, but true? You're right, it's been more than one time we've reported on something like that. Um, Aubrey Smoke, you guys already know Biden is not going to let that fly. He will pardon his ass. Mm, no, he'll pardon Trump. 
the irony of it all. Jackson, Jackson, I'm saying they will stop asking about Hunter's laptop now, please. They won't. They will not stop asking about Hunter's laptop, okay? I think Hunter Biden, honestly, if he's harder for cash, he probably needs to put his the crack pipe on auction. I guarantee you Republicans will purchase it. Uh, Metalhead114, thank you for that. Uh, hello, Dr. Richie. Have you heard that the singer Kellis? Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't even talk about this. I'm sorry, I pronounced it wrong. I can't do that. We were supposed to talk about this on a show. I couldn't do it. I am aware. I know what's happening, but I don't know what's happening. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. The milkshake song. Um, and we got Agnostic Sister. I'd have a tone too if I was naked and busted in the wrong door. You're damn right. Damn right. And they took their time because they didn't like how she talked to them. It's insane. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel right. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Many times when we highlight these particular scenarios, we put an emphasis on the individual who is the most aggressive. Well, they are the ones receiving the attention for sure. In this situation, I'm not sure of all of the variables, but I am sure of this. The workers at Planet Fitness, well, they were quite respectful and responded in an appropriate way. So I wanna highlight their professionalism during this exchange. And also note that it doesn't matter what kind of day you're having. Talking to people that are working hard and trying to be, let's just say appropriate to your aggression. They don't deserve it, no matter what, they don't. All right, share thoughts here. Well, the gym is the place where you blow off steam, <laughs> Dr. Ritchie. Okay. I think you're right, they were professional, perhaps too much. So I think this, this person's a threat. And I'd wanna know why the police weren't called because I think if Karen looked a different way, I mean, I'm just not gonna stop pointing it out. Yeah. That they would probably roll, SWAT would have been there. 
understand? Yeah. At least somebody would have got tased. Right, at the very least. All right, a cop, a Houston cop accused of shooting his wife in the face, put him up for a mask. Hell of a story. New details have been released in the ongoing investigation into Houston officer who allegedly shot his wife in the face Monday morning. 31 year old Galib Chowdhury has been charged with aggravated assault of a family member with serious bodily injury and has been fired. His bond is set at $125,000. Now keep this picture up, you may be wondering, if a person is shot in the face, why is the charge not attempted murder? Because everyone knows that the face, the head, is what we call a red zone. Officers are trained on red zone attacks. Basically, they are taught any injury, any strike, any bullet to this area can result in death. That's called a red zone attack. HPD and Houston Fire Department personnel responded to calls around 1245 AM about a shooting at the Westerly Apartments located on the 10,300 block of Clay Road in Northwest Houston. That's according to KPRC2's Eric Ponder, Erica Ponder. Police said they found a 30 year old woman identified as his wife who has suffered a gunshot to the face. The woman was rushed to a nearby hospital to undergo surgery. Let's put up the chief. The police chief, his name is Troy Finner, said during a Monday morning news conference that the rifle the suspect used during the alleged shooting was not issued by the police department. Well, you know, that's exactly what we wanted to know, Chief. We wanted to make sure that the gun he used in order to try and kill his wife was not in fact issued by you. That is, that is an important detail, not. The alleged shooter had served as an officer for two years, was assigned to the Northwest Patrol Division, according to an HBD News released issue, release issued on Monday. Um, and so I have questions. Naturally, my first question, why is he not charged with attempted murder? Also, um, there's something new that I've thought about when it comes to these officers especially those who just start working somewhere and then all of a sudden there's this egregious thing that's discovered allegedly. What did they do on their psychological evaluation? What was their score? See, things like that we need to now question. And the reason I bring that to your attention is because I was in a meeting about a month ago. And this meeting had to do with police oversight. And in this meeting, officers were there and they were talking about how Difficult it was to become a police officer because of psychological evaluations and boot camp training, etc. And so I posed the question, when do they get tested for the psychological eval? And the captain stood up and he said, well, they are given that psychological evaluation after they go through boot camp. After they are taser certified, after they basically can become the police. My second question was, and out of those who are tested, how many fail? 
You know the answer was? None. Zero. That's not possible statistically anywhere. So what you see is a system that says if you can pass the logistics, we have a system that will ensure you pass the psychological eval. There is no way this is an objective test, or at least the culture allows for the pass fail ratio to be quite liberal if no one has ever failed. All right, so those are questions I have about this fella too. Sharon, thoughts on this? So the test is garbage, and yeah. there's so much that's not adding up here. Something about shooting at an intruder, there are stories out there. The evidence doesn't fit that. The wife was apparently you know, going like this and her eyeball, okay, is, is shot at. So it just doesn't, it fits an abuse scenario. Don't know that yeah. for sure, but that's what it, it fits in both she and the accused here are saying, oh, it was an accident shooting or trying to at an intruder. Didn't the South African runner with one leg go to jail for that, Dr. Ritchie? Yep. Okay, I'm just saying. That's right. And that's why in cases like this, the state picks it up because the other individual involved may feel intimidated mm. not to testify. And so that's the reason there's a caveat to how these are prosecuted outside of the norm. All right, we have more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Always good to be with you. Let me read as many comments as I can. Grumpy Cat says Karen is exercising her vocal cords. LaRon Harrison, Karen, you're supposed to be working out to get your blood pressure down. You're doing it wrong. It's good advice. Kev Z247, member for six months. Thank you so much for being a supporter. Twitch, hold for hearts and open eyes. Incoherent complaining, a regular old Karen on the move. Yeah. Mike Boy for mayor. This is exactly how I've imagined Planet Fitness. <laughs> it's not that bad, man. Not, not all the time. All right. And at Freddie Mercy. I bet the police unions will fight the firing, talking about the cop accused of shooting his wife in the face. Sadly, you are probably correct. All right, what if I told you a member of the KKK decides to pull out a gun at a pride event? Cops let him go. Here's a video. Because I want to rip your face off and shove it up. Did I ever? 
pull out a gun on him and kill that guy. I've got video evidence that this guy put his hands on me first. I knocked his hand out of face and put his hand on his gun. He has a gun. He's been trying to shoot someone here, man. Yeah, he walked, he walked up here with his hand on his gun. I've got it on video. Put up the picture of this coward full of mass. In many jurisdictions, pulling out a gun you have no reason to pull out will get you charged with something called felony menacing. The incident happened on June 3rd during an event where they were opposing anti-LGBTQ legislation being pursued in the state. This happened in Corbin, Kentucky. The outlet Queer Kentucky reported that the uplifting event came up against animosity and hate when an alleged member of the KKK named by local news as 43 year old Clayton D. Siegebart reportedly used slurs against the attendees before pulling out a gun that would make it a hate crime. This alleged Klansman was joined by a man named as 44 year old Kenneth W. Hutton, who was seen handing a KKK membership card to the same individual during the incident. Yes, they actually have cards to identify themselves as part of an official KKK lodge. The police account of the incident obtained by Raw Story confirmed that the two men on the scene did in fact have weapons. And that one male had held a gun out before they were cleared from the area. No arrests have been made. However, the incident is now reportedly being been referred to the FBI. Pink News has contacted the Corbin Police Department for comment. Why is it referred to the FBI when local police have concurrent jurisdiction, primary jurisdiction, first jurisdiction? Investigative jurisdiction. However, they are obviously refusing to investigate this as an actual criminal act. Notice how the officer was not afraid because there's a known racist with a gun. Not, not bothered. If an unarmed black man is accused of having a gun, we've reported on that story multiple times right here. If an unarmed black male is accused of having a gun. The police will call SWAT to deal with that unarmed black male for being accused of having in his possession something that is constitutionally allowable. Something that is constitutionally protected. You see, police officers will engage individuals like this from the lens of their rights of their rights, and they will contextualize it in their minds like this. Well, him having a gun is not illegal, and so we're not going to be concerned about that. But if you say it, say the same thing about a black male, especially a young black male, all of a sudden there's a criminal here. There's a safety issue for the officer. A cop gets trigger happy, starts violating rights all over the place. But if it happens to be a Klansman, Sharon, thoughts here. I got one better for you because we were together not long ago where a black man didn't have a gun but pretended he did because yep. he was surrounded by That's right. 
fools who were hurling the worst thing, they were threatening him. So he was really ingenious in saying, you know, back off, you know. And yep. suddenly that was really yeah, cops came after the audacity. Thank you. Yep. Okay. That's right. So yeah. Um, and we did that story last week. All right. So uh, we see the difference in the respect or lack thereof. Uh, once again, another permeation of systemic bias inside of policing. I don't know how to say this, but to just say it. Dead raccoon left on the mayor's doorstep. Let's put up the picture full mask. Okay. In Oregon, a person reportedly left a dead raccoon along with a hate filled message at the front door of the Redmond mayor, Ed Fitch's law office. The note, which the mayor calls racially hateful and intimidating, mentions both him and a black politician, Councilman Clifford Evelyn. The Redmond Police Department and city manager, Keith Witkowski, were immediately contacted upon discovery, prompting the police to begin investigating the June 5th incident as a possible hate crime. Quote, it was clear in my mind, a hate message mostly towards the counselor, Evelyn Fitch said. The mayor, who is white, did not go into details about the sign, but said he felt bad for the council person. It seems there are some people in town that can't accept the fact that Clifford is black and is on the city council. He said in an interview with the bulletin. Evelyn is a retired police officer, ironically, was elected to office in 2021 with the promise to be a voice for the people of Redmond. As a voice that represents character, integrity and transparency. Evelyn is not afraid to talk about his views on critical race theory. He believes the community, including educators, churches and families, all have a responsibility to teach American history honestly. He believes the only way to do so is to present it void of perspectives that promote hate filled conversations of racism, which he believes is destructive of society. Let's put up the chief. Um, and, and before I get to the chief, I just want to say this. If the councilman would have simply, um, while he was a cop, just shot a black person, uh, that raccoon would not have been at the office of the mayor. Redmond Police Chief Devin Lewis released a statement saying, and I quote, no tolerance for hate speech of any kind against any person or group. He continues, we will work swiftly to resolve this case and seek to hold those who did this to our community responsible. Police are requesting community members to step forward with any information about the incident. Let me give you some town stats of Redmond. It is a town less than 40,000 people. Of those residents, more than 89% of them are white. Less than 1% identifies black or African American. That's according to the US Census data. Um, and with those stats, sir, uh, I'm going to say this is going to be an unsolved crime. Now, if it does get solved, I will bring it to you right here on Indisputable. I do have a question about the mayor. You have a law office, you're the mayor. Why don't you have a camera, ring video doorbell, something? This person left it right on your front steps of your business. Most people would assume that a business, especially the caliber of business that you have, a law firm and you're the sitting mayor, that you have a camera. So I'm going to give you your first clue, sir. Whoever did this has been in your office before. 
And they are aware that you have no camera located in that vicinity. Tell the police chief I gave him that one for free. All right, Mr. Mayor, you are the mayor of a town yourself, right? Security is an issue. I mean, a ring video doorbell is the bare minimum that you should have in front of your building. What do you think happened here? I listen. This is a don't we can't we can't untie this from Oregon's long history of anti-black. <laughs> yeah. This is a state that one time made it illegal for black people to be there, right? Illegal for black people to be there. So we should we should definitely consider that. Here's here's what's our, the irony of it. Because it was late, left at the business of the white person involved in this situation. It's a national story. We hear about it. We get notice of it. People forget. I mean, you you covered the story when I tore down a monument, Doc. Yep. That we were getting death threats, are getting death threats on a regular basis. My wife, myself, so much so that we had to have security at times. Now North Carolina's no North Carolina law enforcement. Not not the town where I, I live. Not the state police are investigating them death threats. The idea that this is this is not an anomaly in this country is so sad, and it's also a point that we shouldn't be surprised that black people in Oregon and anywhere are still getting death threats for speaking up about the the harms of black people, especially when we see white nationalism on the rise like it is right now in this country. Yep, there you go. All right, we will update if there's an update coming. This is going to be a very strange and um, gross story. Well, Penn State professor, okay? A Penn State professor accused, I don't know how to say this, a, a heinous crime with a dog. Let's put it up full mass. 64 year old. Themis Matt Sukas, an award-winning Penn State professor, has been arrested after being accused of having, let's just say, an inappropriate relationship with his dog. After being accused of having this inappropriate relationship, the court documents say he had been performing lewd acts in a state forest for nearly a decade when officials from the Pennsylvania Police Department or the Pennsylvania of Conservation, excuse me, and Natural Resources showed up at his front door to execute a search warrant. He reportedly begged them to kill him. Quote, I'm done, I'm dead, you don't understand. I do it to blow off steam, end quote. The professor was arraigned on Tuesday on charges of open lewdness, indecent exposure, sexual intercourse with an animal, and animal cruelty. The professor's dramatic fall from grace came nearly two months after trial at the a trail camera installed by the DCNR at the Roth Rock State Forest in Pennsylvania, allegedly captured the professor on the night of April 13th, walking naked from the waist down with his pet collie. The shocking footage reportedly showed the professor wearing nothing but a ski mask, <clears throat> boots with socks and a wristwatch, and carrying a North, uh, a North Face backpack. That's not good for North Face. 
The man also allegedly tried to record his antics <clears throat> with the collar using a silver iPad. DCNR investigators later obtained six images from other cameras in the area dated back to 2014, showing what appeared to be the same man wandering the woods in the buff. Last month, Ranger spotted the familiar visitor with a backpack on one of the trail cameras and tracked him back to his vehicle, which was a green Subaru Outback. The investigators then obtained his license plate number and were able to match his DMV photo to the other images of the nude man in the woods. The probe culminated in the search for the professor at his home, during which Rangers reportedly seized several items that were seen on the April 13th trail camera video, including a ski mask, the North Face backpack, and a silver iPad. The Penn State professor's colleague was, which was in the house, also reportedly matched the dog in the revolting trail camera footage. The school told the Center Daily Times this week that the professor has been relieved of his relieved of his responsibilities and is on leave. The professor is due back in court for a preliminary hearing on July 19th. Of course, that's animal cruelty, complete animal cruelty, and the perspective of many. Um, when you look at this on social media, is that well, this is horrible and gross. I concur. Uh, it is also likely indicative of some other things that have not been fully, at least, discovered. Uh, it has been a while since we've reported on a story like this, but ironically, we have. All right, sharing thoughts. My first thought is I wish I was still on mute, Doc. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I can't unhear the fill. I, does he have tenure? When will they get rid of him? Okay, because it's just unbecoming. I, I don't know what else to say. This went on for ten plus years. Did I hear it right? That there were incidents yeah. that were reported, suspected something ten years ago. Yeah, they went back to through the camera footage and they were able to find that <laughs> he has at least been doing this for ten years. Longer. All right. Exactly, could be longer. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. You ever wonder what would happen if a cop gets into a high speed chase with another cop? Wonder no more. Here it is. Pull over. You gonna pull over? Please say a command. Pull over. There's more. Three one thirteen to three thirteen. What? Do you, I am going into work, my man. 
Why are you trying to pull me over as I'm going Because you're work? going 80 and a 45. I am going into work. Okay, where are you going what to work What does it look for? like I'm dressed for? I have What no... does it look like I'm dressed for? My name is Deputy Hilton, and they see your driver's license. No. Okay. 3113, copy at 1050. 10 for I got a city, uh, Orlando PD taking off from a traffic stop. Uh, it's going to be X-ray Fox Rod 6207, XF 6207. Refuse to stop. He didn't get shot. I mean, this is an armed individual, refused to comply. Hopped out of the vehicle. Got back in. Took off. This is not a fleeing felon, armed and dangerous. All right, let's put it up full mass. I will give you the background. Hell of a thing. Orlando cop Alexander Shuni has now been arrested and relieved of duty pending a review after dash cam video footage shows him speeding and leading a sheriff's deputy on a high speed chase while on his way to work. He was going to work after seeing Shuni, the cop, raced past him down a local road. The sheriff's deputy activated his lights, turned around in a nearby driveway and pursued the speeding squad car. By the time the deputy got turned around, the officer was nowhere in sight. And the deputy was forced to hit triple digits driving down the two lane road. That creates a safety issue for everybody. Over 100 miles an hour trying to catch up to him, the deputy says during the chase, after a brief exchange with the sheriff's deputy, um, the officer hops back in his patrol car, as you saw, drives off after refusing to hand over his driver's license. Pushed the deputy once again, started to give chase, all right? Let me go to the police statement from the city police, not the sheriff's office. So Orlando Police Department say, and I said, and I quote, the Orlando Police Department was notified by the Seminole County Sheriff's Office on Friday, June 9th that OPD officer Alexander Shuning was involved in an incident that occurred in Seminole County that resulted in criminal charges. The Orlando Police Department said in a statement to WESH2 News. The officer has been relieved of duty pending the county sheriff's criminal investigation and an internal affairs investigation as well. Uh, isn't that interesting? Th these kinds of investigations don't even happen when they shoot an unarmed person. Um, but when you decide to not hand over your license and you speed away from another officer, well, so let's talk about the reality of this. Um, people who are in position to hold other people accountable to the law should be okay with complying with the minimal standards that they enforce on other people. Uh, for example, uh, let me see your driver's license. If you're operating a motor vehicle, you are supposed to have a driver's license to do so. An officer can request that when you are breaking the law. Speeding is breaking the law. Now, naturally, this individual would not be held to the level of accountability that let's say you or I would. If we did something like that, jumped out of a car armed, told the police basically go to hell, got back in the car, drove off. Well, we would we would have a few charges. This officer is likely going to avoid significant criminal penalty. Maybe 
he gets off the street because having that kind of attitude toward an officer, imagine the attitude he has towards civilians. That's the connection here. If he's talking to a cop this way, imagine the disdain he shows for the community he serves. All right, sharing thoughts here. I think the the criminal officer is probably not well liked. Because otherwise, the sheriff deputy who pulled him over, even given yep. these circumstances, would probably be he'd catch hell. Okay. Yep. Back at the office because this, you know, I don't know why they don't just put on there instead of serve and protect, we're above the law because this is right. he, what did he really do wrong? We show every day that they are above the law. So I don't, you know, no wonder he thought he was and could get exactly. away with this. Exactly, because they do get away with it. Yeah. All right. I have a question for everybody. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. You want to know why the Muslim faith has had its advancements? It's because the Muslims were willing to die for their belief. They were willing to strap bombs to their chest. They believed in the afterlife. God give us some men and women that'll get a hold of some passion in their spirit and said, I will lay down my life for the gospel. You see, if you were Muslim, sir, you would probably be under investigation or radicalizing your congregants. But because you are a white nationalist Christian, you will get basically a pass for these types of statements. Let's put up his picture full mass. I'm going to correct him theologically. Regeneration Nashville pastor Kent Christmas is his name, a major supporter of Donald Trump, no surprise. Also once said, and I quote, in the eyes of God, the president of the United States right now in the courts of justice in heaven is not Joe Biden, but it's Donald Trump. That's what he said. He said, according to heaven and God, the real president is Donald Trump. Let's talk about the troubling statements he's making in reference to violence, because these are things that Trump actually wants. He wants people to be violent on his behalf to silence the naysayers inside of the Republican Party in particular, but generally all around. So this preacher says that you should basically Commit suicide, kill yourself uh, in order to affect the spreading of the gospel. You should die for it. Preacher, let me remind you of what Jesus actually said, Yahshua in the proper tongue. Jesus said, no greater love than this for man to lay down his life for another person. Not the gospel, not religion. Not ideology, but a person. The scripture also says, how can you hate your brethren whom you see every day, but claim you love God whom you have never seen 
you are a liar and the truth is not in you. Or how about this scripture preacher? God is love, which also means love is God. Study on those, come back with a corrected theological overview. Stop radicalizing those who you are supposed to feed spiritually. All right, sharing thoughts. Well, he's nutty. Baptized at the age of nine, been preaching since 17. I think I read about him and his lovely wife Candy Christmas and their church there. And apparently it took all these years, Dr. Ritchie, for him to find his calling, his true calling in the church of Trump. This is what they do and I don't know if he can be deprogrammed or those who unfortunately follow this. Yeah, it's very sad taking advantage of people that probably are very decent. Um, but also very manipulated. Sharon, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. I appreciate it very much, Doc, at Sharon Read Live across all platforms. And of course, TYT Sports, another installment will be uploaded um, this week. So I hope everybody will check it out. I appreciate you. Michelle, always look forward to it. All right, the bullpen is next, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. I'm going to read a few comments very quickly. Uh, let me read, this is interesting. Uh, a. Martin, thank you for that, A. Martin. Uh, well, I know. This is completely insane, Doc. He definitely didn't pass the psych exam. Exactly. Uh, let's do one more. Um, Urban Adam, I say let the MAGA Christians blow themselves up. Yeah, that wouldn't work. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. He says, how do you afford this car? And I was gonna tell him it's an Uber program. You know, That's what they do to give you Teslas to drive for people to have comfort. He says, cuz I know you can't afford this from anything else. You got drugs? Do you have drugs on you? I said, drugs? Why would I have drugs on me and I'm driving? He says, cuz you know, if you were black, you have drugs on you, you know? And that's the only way you can afford this car. They pull over right now before I kill you. So I said, okay, I got you, I got you brother. I'm gonna pull over right here, but I kept going. If I get on top of that ramp, I know everybody gonna see me. And I know somebody's gonna call 911 for me. So I went up there and I stopped up there, sir. Oh, I-94 East and I stopped up there at that ramp and I got out and I told the car behind me. I said, I'm a Uber driver, I'm a woman. And this man just assaulted me, he racial profiled me, he just threatened my life and I'm not driving an inch further without him getting out and please call police. And he started pouring this green, sticky, slimy stuff all in the backseat. He walked up to me and he kept saying, come here, come here. He kept doing that and I was walking back. I looked back and said, y'all not gonna help me? Like that's what I was screaming, I was saying that. And he stepped on my foot and reached for my face and I just started wailing. I just started wailing, no more being nice. I already begged it for my life. And the other man out of his Ram truck came and strangled me. He choked me and I put my hands up just like this, just like this. And he kept strangling, he said, shut up. But he said, shut the F up. And I got to MSP and gave them my report. I showed them a picture of this man, the man that strangled me when I was begging for help. And they started to freak out. They told me to never come back to the police station or else. 
we have an update. Ms. Desiree Keys, singer, songwriter, celebrity ghostwriter, is back on Indisputable. Desiree, thank you for joining us again. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Yeah. Doing, doing well. Let's talk about the update. Has there been an exhaustive investigation? Has an arrest been made? What is the prosecutor saying about what happened that night and you being a victim of two individuals? So since the incident, since the show, um, I have been to therapy for two and a half months, mental and physical therapy. Um, I talked to civil rights, EEOC, and now I do have them fighting for my case um, for two separate you know, situations for um, Uber and Hertz for written out the car to me for not having the cameras, I guess, working that day. But um, I have a prosecutor finally call me after six months. Um, she asked me why wasn't my evidence in. Now, all my evidence should have been in with police officer uh, Carpenter Chadwick. But um, she said nothing was shown but uh, the guy's face. He, she said it was a scratch above his eye. Um, and just a, a picture of my hand being swollen, nothing else, nothing else. So right now it's still open, no arrests have been made. Um, I did order my FOIA papers and I figured out a couple names of the, the two gentlemen. And so far they're just flipping the story and pretending like they don't know what's going on. Let me read a statement we received at Indisputable from Uber. Uber mm-hmm. spokesperson says, and I quote, Violence and discrimination have no place on the Uber platform. And we take reports of this nature very seriously. When this was first reported to us, we began to investigate. <clears throat> we have been in touch with Ms. Keys. We have dedicated public safety, we have a dedicated public safety team who works with law enforcement on investigations, and they are standing ready to assist in their investigation. Now let me first ask you about the truth of that statement. Is Uber telling the absolute truth? No, I have not been in contact with them since um, three or four days after the incident of December 17th. Um, Once my post went viral on TikTok and everybody started to share it, they publicly came on my page, which I have screenshots of that, where they finally came through after firing me, after terminating my whole account. Um, They came on there and said on Instagram, Hey, we're going to investigate this, and we don't, you know, we don't condone and none of that behavior, and we're going to see what's going on in your, you know, favor because you know I was terminated. So a couple of days after that, um, they hit me up on the email and said, "Hey, we want to give you a job back." And I'm like, "Well, what happened with the guy that was in my back seat?" And it was like, "Oh, you know, just get law enforcement to get it, but we do believe that you were assaulted, so we're going to give you a job back." And I'm like, "Well, I don't want it back. I don't feel safe." So they never contacted me after that since December, since December. I'm gonna ask my producer to put that statement back up again from Uber. Because there's something in this statement that I think was intentionally placed. That last sentence that says, and they are on standby to insist to assist in their investigation. So they're talking about Uber's team. They have a team that works with law enforcement. And they're saying that their team is on standby, ready to assist in their investigation. That tells me that no officer 
has engaged that team. They're saying they're on standby, willing to be ready to help. That says it has not happened. When did this incident occur, Ms. Keys? It happened December 17th. December 17th. We are now six months, damn near seven, into the new year, until the next year, okay? Still, according to me reading the tea leaves in this particular statement we received today from Uber, the police, or at least the investigative authority, they have not contacted the Uber team responsible for investigating matters like this. So you have that failure, that is a potential dynamic. You also have the failure of the scene. If you could remind people of what happened beyond the physical altercation where you had to defend yourself. When the police arrived, what happened at that point at the scene? When the police arrived, I flagged them down because I didn't know what street I was on, but I was on the next street from off the freeway. DPD had got flagged down for me and I told them exactly where I was on the bridge. And when they went up there, they said no one was up there. They haven't heard anybody call or put in the incident report of any Uber driver getting attacked or any Uber passenger being assaulted anywhere. So basically, Carpenter Chadwick, after you know the investigation was starting to grow a month later, he told me that the actual man in my back seat put in the same police report at MSP post where they told me to get out. And they wasn't even open at that time. Like I didn't even know they were open at that time. I just called 911. Wow. There are witnesses who corroborate your version of events. Yes. Was the witness in particular one I'm aware of, were they contacted? Are they on record? Yes, they are on record after your show, after the first time you put me on the bulletin. They actually reached out to Amir and they got her statement, but they didn't take her footage. They didn't take her footage. The prosecutor said none of that footage is actually inside of the evidence that kind of over so the prosecutor gets in touch with you. Prosecutor says, hey, where's your evidence? Because we have evidence that basically says you may have been the aggressor. Because they have evidence of um, your hand and a cut on the other guy's eye when you were defending yourself. But they don't have the evidence that was presented to the police. They don't have the video evidence that basically everybody has, right? Including me. Uh, they don't have that evidence. So that means that in the chain of custody, the investigator did not relay that evidence to the DA's office. Is that what likely happened here? Is that what the DA is saying? Uh, that's definitely what she's saying. She um, says she doesn't even realize how that even didn't get inside of the evidence if I was the first person who reported this incident in the first place. What is the DA going to do? Because a prosecutor is not powerless in this moment. Uh, they have the right of remedy. Uh, to mandate evidence uh, be uh, handled properly through the chain of custody. So what is the DA saying she's going to do now that the evidence has not shown up? She told me that she, um, the prosecutor told me that she will call me back the very next day, which was supposed to be June 13th, to let me know um, they were supposed to have a meeting about this. You're breaking up. I think I understand the sentiment. I definitely understand the sentiment of what you're saying. So the DA is saying she's going to call you back. She did not call you back that next day, however. 
Is that correct? Okay, we still have a technical and issue. One of us was a victim, it was safe, but I was definitely the victim. So she just told me to the uh, warrant department. Wow. All right. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. We will grant the DA one week, one week to either A, obtain this information, get the evidence, or B, make a big deal that you don't have it and that you need it because this woman was a victim of a crime. One of those two things need to happen within seven days. If that does not happen, I will happily report on everything that I have in my files about the case, including the names of everyone involved, including the prosecutor, some other stuff. My main goal is to make sure this woman receives the justice she deserves, period. That is the goal. So Madam DA, Madam ADA, if you were authentic about making sure this evidence comes to you, here's your opportunity to do so. This is your grace period, you got seven days. Uh, anything you want to say before parting, uh, Desiree? Um, I just, I'm not here to point fingers or anything like that. I just want to be treated as a fair person, you know, as a person. It ain't even about color at this point anymore. It's just the fact of just get it done. If that's your job, then get it done because you don't want people of, you know, of, of a family that loves, like I have brothers, you know, and I would never call a family member to handle something so detrimental. I called the police and I expected them to do their job and take it seriously and to try to shove this under the rug. It just hurts my heart a little a lot more now because it's just prolonging the time for me to be myself. Like I'm a content creator, but I hate staying at home. I don't yeah. like to go outside. There's a lot of things that's been going on. I'm not, won't, I won't mention it here, but I did give you guys my medical records. But I'm trying to get back to myself. I just yeah. want to be treated fairly, that's all. I know, and I know uh, for creatives, uh, when things like this are inside of your soul, it's difficult to be the creative soul that you are. Um, so we would like a full adjudication and justice. We want it to be quick. All right, Desiree, thank you. We'll provide an update in a few days. We appreciate your continued leadership. Keep pushing the agenda, okay? Thank you so much, Dr. Ritchie. My pleasure. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.